0: Hi, everybody. I'm so glad that you've joined us for our online service today. Hey, if we haven't met, my name's Terry Smith, and I'm the lead pastor of the Life Christian Church. I hope to have the opportunity to meet you sometime soon. Listen, I want to take just a moment before I get into my message today to acknowledge the horrific death of George Floyd in Minneapolis this past week. I uh, took some time this week and went live on TLCC TV to talk just really from my heart, kind of a stream of consciousness about my thoughts about this and to express my solidarity with uh, so many people who I care about so much who are feeling tremendous pain during this time Uh, in response to this and in response to similar uh, terrible things like this that have that happen uh, far too often and have happened over this it seems like this last couple of years uh, have been particularly troubling and um, if you if you want to know my thoughts on this at length we've posted my comments on this to my social media sites on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and um, I just want you to know that um, my heart is broken. Um, I care deeply about the pain that so many people, particularly in the black community, are experiencing during this time. But the fact is that all of us who love Jesus and try to follow him and who, who are trying to practice what it means to love our neighbor as ourself. We're all feeling some, some level of pain during this time. And uh, I just want you to know that, uh, that, that I care and uh, that I hope the Life Christian Church is a safe place for all of us to continue to work out what it means to love each other and to work through the issues that face our society I'm praying that God will, will help us, that He'll heal our land, and that He'll help us get better at what it means to love our neighbor. I feel like anything I say is insufficient. Forgive me if, if my attempt to speak to this in this moment is not all that it should be. I just want you to know uh, that I didn't want this Sunday to just go on as if something really huge wasn't going on I know we're reading about it all of us this morning and um, so I just take a moment to acknowledge this and to pray God's grace and mercy on all of us so I want to talk a little bit today about how to move from anxiety to peace. This is the message I had planned and prepared really before all this happened. Um, and it, uh, the events of the last several days only add to the importance, I think, of this message. Anxiety is an immensely serious subject. And trust me, I'm going to treat it as such. However, uh, there is usually some humor to be found even on the fringes of even the most serious topics and if you'll allow me even understanding the seriousness of this moment in so many ways I'd like to take a moment and share something I thought about this week as I was sometimes anxiously working on this message about anxiety it's a clip from the movie what about Bob perhaps it'll add a little levity and bring a smile to our face and allow me to get into this serious topic in an interesting way. So here is Bob meeting with his new therapist and uh, describing to his therapist how debilitating his anxiety is and how it keeps him from moving forward in his life. Check this out.
1: Why don't I start? huh? The simplest way to put it? I have problems. Uh I worry about diseases so uh I have trouble touching things uh in public places it's it's uh, almost impossible I have a real big problem moving talk about moving As long as I'm in my apartment I'm okay But when I want to go out I get weird <laughs> Talk about weird. Talk about weird. Well, I get dizzy spells, nausea, cold sweats, hot sweats, fever blisters, difficulty breathing, difficulty swallowing, blurred vision, involuntary trembling, dead hands, numb lips, fingernail sensitivity, pelvic discomfort. So, the real question is, what is the crisis, Bob? What is it that you are truly afraid of? What if my heart stops beating? What if I'm looking for a bathroom, I can't find it, and my bladder explodes?
0: Obviously, Bob is an extreme example of an anxious person, but. One doesn't need to have a full-blown anxiety disorder to experience the emotional hijacking that anxiety brings. Or the debilitating worry which is at the heart of anxiety. Without a doubt, any level of anxiety keeps us from living our best lives. Most of us know what it is to suffer from some level of anxiety. We know what it is to worry about any number of negative possibilities sometimes we worry about things that are specific and identifiable sometimes we're anxious without even realizing why we just feel a low indiscernible hum of angst and if not dealt with properly that angst can lead to active anxiety and constant worry And far too often, worry becomes excessive fear and even terror and horror. Regardless its intensity level, anxiety is a problem which must be dealt with and can. See, anxiety is a specific condition which God promises to help us with. Let me show you just a couple passages of many I could have chosen that address this subject. One from the Old Testament and one from the New. The psalmist said, Your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, Your consolation brought me joy. When anxiety was great within me, Your consolation brought me joy. And then I really like this passage from uh, Peter's letter to the church in the New Testament, where he said, cast all your anxiety on God because He cares for you. I particularly like the way it's said in the King James Version, cast all your care upon Him for He cares for you. I like to say it in two ways. Cast all your care on Him because He cares about you. But also to say it like this, cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. In other words, you can trust that he's got it covered. He'll do the worrying for you. Now, I don't actually think that God worries, but I hope you get the point. You can give him your cares because he will care for you. Now, there's an enormity to this problem in this moment that's, that's unique. It appears in history. And when I speak about this moment now, I'm talking specifically about the pandemic that we're still working our way through. I saw an article this week in the Wall Street Journal uh, headlined, more people are taking drugs for anxiety and insomnia and doctors are worried. I want to read a couple of excerpts from this from this article. Prescriptions for anti-anxiety medications and sleep aids have risen during the pandemic, Prompting doctors to warn about the possibility of long-term addiction and abuse of the drugs prescriptions for anti-anxiety medications rose 10.2% in the US prescriptions for antidepressants rose 9.2% health concerns social isolation and the stress of job losses are taking a toll on people's well-being People can also develop a psychological dependence on these medications, said Beth Salcedo, a psychiatrist and the past president of the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. It can very quickly become a habit. She recommends taking other steps to address anxiety, including exercising, eating well, avoiding alcohol, and making sure we surround ourselves with our social support as much as possible. The article goes on, if anxiety is interfering with worker relationships, she advises turning to the most evidence-based treatments for anxiety disorders, which are, note this uh, phrase, cognitive behavioral therapy, a type of talk therapy, and some antidepressant medications doctors have some of the same concerns with common sleep medications particularly when taken long-term for chronic sleep problems experts recommend first trying cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia changing behavior is usually a healthier approach forgive the long read but it sets up uh, something I want to say over the next few minutes uh, and that is uh, three quick responses uh, to this article the first is that my heart aches for people who are suffering so much anxiety that they need to be medicated i saw another article this week in the washington post that says 34 out of a hundred americans show signs of clinical anxiety or depression during this pandemic that's over one third of us showing signs of clinical anxiety Obviously, a much greater number of us are suffering with some level of anxiety. This is real, and I'm sorry for those who are suffering in this way. Second response to that article is that I'm concerned about our attempts to medicate a feeling rather than facing the root causes of our feelings and moving from anxiety to peace please know of course that I'm not against prescription medication and I appreciate that medication may bring someone relief and I appreciate the doctors who care about their patients and are doing everything they can to help them but I hope that the relief medication brings will help even a clinically anxious person get to a place where they can do the work in partnership with God and others to actually secure lasting peace. Now, by the way, we medicate ourselves with a lot of other things to dull our pains, uh, things other than prescription medications. Last week, Christian did a great job talking about how that all of us have ways that we escape things we should be facing and refuse to engage the real issues of our life and God who can help us deal with them so it's not just prescription medication that we use to dull the pain and to cover our feelings there are a lot of things that we do to medicate our pain the third response to this article is this I find it interesting that this article mentions the proven benefits of cognitive behavioral therapy Now, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, uh, but I have done some reading and research around cognitive behavioral therapy and have learned enough to at least say this, that it's based on uh, several core principles, including the idea that psychological problems are based at least in part on faulty or unhelpful ways of thinking and in learned patterns of unhelpful behavior and can be coped with. Cognitive behavioral therapy treatment usually involves facing one's fears instead of avoiding them and uh, engaging in efforts to change thinking patterns. This might involve helping someone recognize distortions in thinking and the feelings that our thoughts produce. I find cognitive behavioral therapy, which I'm not an expert in, to be in alignment, at least in key ways, with Scripture, which I am somewhat of an expert in. I love, for instance, Paul's letter to the Corinthians where he says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to God. To Christ we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ now Paul's not talking about therapy here of course but he is talking about systems of thought that challenge the gospel and I think that we can apply this to systems of our thoughts and the feelings that coat our thoughts we can take every thought captive and make it obedient to to Christ I know it's popular to say trust your feelings but I say that we should only trust our feelings if our feelings are in alignment with truth years ago I read a book by dr. William Backus that profoundly impacted my life it's called telling yourself the truth the idea is simple It's that we must courageously face the thoughts that cause negative emotions and tell those thoughts and emotions the truth. It's as if we take the thoughts captive and we force the thoughts to be reconciled to the truth, to become obedient to Christ and God's Word. Well, Bacchus defines an emotion as a response of a number of physical systems to something we believe. In other words, when we feel something, it's because we believe something that has stimulated that particular feeling. We believe something negative, and we have negative feelings as a result now it's probably not all that simple but for the sake of this message let's just let's just assume that our thoughts inform our feelings and tell our feelings what to feel and let's believe that we can take thoughts and we can cause those thoughts to have to be in alignment with truth so it's a well-known fact that most of what people worry about never happens All right. Uh, Daniel Goleman in his classic Emotional Intelligence for instance said chronic worriers worry about a wide range of things most of which have almost no chance of happening they read dangers into life's journey that others never notice so I've read this many times I'm sure you know this as well most of what most of us worry about never happens so when anxiety Uh, rises and our pulse raises and our palms are sweaty and we have a knot in our stomach and we can't get any rest and we worry a thing to death we are usually experiencing all of that in response to a lie and even when a bad thing does in fact happen worry is not helpful in facing it what is helpful is faith so A pandemic did happen, is happening. Now, what do we do? How about reminding ourselves, even in the face of a bad thing that did happen, of the truth of God's Word, and informing our thoughts with what God says about it, instead of living in the negativity that comes around facing this bad thing. So, how about reminding ourselves of God's Word in a place like Romans chapter 8, verse 28? This is what we need to be telling our thoughts and our emotions. And we know, Paul wrote, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So first of all, most of the things that we feel anxious about are based in lies. They're about things that that won't happen. And, and then many of the lies that we tell ourselves Uh, come along with reasoning that would indicate that perhaps God isn't with us, doesn't care about us, isn't going to help us. But then even when bad things in fact do happen, we still apply truth to it. Truth like this that says it doesn't seem to matter what comes against us, we are more than conquerors through Christ. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. And God is working everything for the good of those who love Him. See, when you're speaking that kind of truth to yourself, you're taking a thought captive. And you're making it become obedient to Christ and His Word. You're telling yourself the truth. Now, as we begin to exercise faith in God and His Word, God actually shows up And begins to help us and when we know that God will help us we should then find peace we should then have rest in our souls so let me spend the rest of my time today working through three truths to help us move from anxiety to peace three truths to help us move from anxiety to peace here's the first one it's we must acknowledge our feelings So, to feel is to be human. To feel anxiety, of course, isn't a sin. But we need to be honest with ourselves about why we feel what we feel. And then, as an old friend of mine frequently says, we need to deal. We acknowledge our feelings so that we can deal with our feelings. I mean, this is cognitive behavioral therapy, if you please. It's facing the truth, and it's knowing that we can change thinking patterns and that that will influence our psychological state. Uh, look, I prefer avoidance. I would rather not feel pain. When Sharon gave birth to each of our three children, she refused medication. She said that she wanted to feel it. So. You know, we went to Lama's classes, and and I I learned how to help coach her through the pain, and and uh, we learned all of these uh, different ways of breathing, and so on and so forth. When it came time for her to give birth, uh, she. Uh, I'm not going to say enjoyed feeling the pain, but she chose to feel the pain. I, on the other hand, was hyperventilating, trying to get her to breathe properly. And in my mind, I was shouting, please take the epidural. Uh, I would not have chosen to feel the pain. Uh, Now, this is one thing when you're talking about physical pain. But uh, when it comes to emotional pain, the fact is that we need to not Play games of avoidance. Not if we really want to deal with the issues at hand. The fact is we need to acknowledge our pain. We need to acknowledge and name our anxiety. And we need to ask questions of it that help us get to a place where we can move from anxiety to peace. There's this great uh, passage in the Psalms where the psalmist prays, Search me, God and know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts i think maybe one way to pray that is god reveal to me the anxious thoughts that are in my heart so i can take these thoughts and i can present them to you listen we need to be able to get quiet before God, be honest with ourselves, and acknowledge our feelings. Here's the second truth then. We must then offer our anxious thoughts to God. It's not enough to acknowledge the feeling now. We're going to offer these thoughts and the feelings that ensue to God. C.S. Lewis wrote, we must lay before God what is in us, not what we want to be in us. In other words, when we come before God, who already knows our thoughts and feelings, and hopefully is revealing to us our thoughts and feelings, we can't come to God as our presenting self, the way that we often act in social situations where we present ourselves in a way that causes others to think that we have it all together look nobody really has it all together but we present ourselves that way and it's part of our I guess our social contract when we come to God though we don't bring our presenting self we have to bring our real self he already sees what's in us anyway and for some reason he seems to find pleasure when we talk to him about the most intimate details of our lives that seems to be the, the, the a truth that, that weaves its way all through Scripture and God's relationship with humanity. He seems to take pleasure when we just confess the reality of who we are to Him. Again and again, I keep coming back to this definition of prayer that, um, that, that I... Have adapted for my own use in recent years. It's this prayer is communication with God about what we are thinking, feeling, and doing together. Prayer is communication with God about what we are thinking, feeling, and doing together. A major part of my life with God is talking to Him about what I am feeling. I can't tell you how helpful this is in my life even just this morning I talked to God about several anxious thoughts I was having about things going on in our nation about things going on in the world more directly related to me I talked to God about what I am feeling and I and I Know that he can't help me with my thoughts and feelings unless I keep company with him in this way. Now, the way that I do this usually is following the outline of uh, Paul's writing in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Apart from the personal references, but this is very personal to me. I've been praying through this passage of scripture since I was 18 years old. I was 18, I was experiencing what was to me at that time a major life crisis, and it was for an 18-year-old. And I read this passage of Scripture, I began praying through it, and it brought me peace. And now for the last, I guess, nearly 40 years, I've prayed this prayer many thousands of times. I've preached about it. Uh, I, I recommend it to you today, and I'm sure by God's grace, I'll bring it up again at some point in the future. This will help you. Philippians chapter four verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So I take my anxious thoughts, And I present them to God in every situation. Now, I not only present my anxious thoughts, I told you I did that in my prayer time this morning, but I also present the things I am grateful for. And this is a marvelous uh, uh, combination I wrap my anxious thoughts in gratitude because all around me are so many things to be grateful for and I talk to God here I'm I'm concerned about this I'm concerned about this this is what I'm feeling this is what I'm thinking Uh, but then I also very deliberately talk about things I'm grateful for do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all Understanding will guard your hearts your feelings and your minds your thoughts in Christ Jesus so after I present my anxious thoughts surrounded with gratitude I intentionally receive God's peace which transcends all understanding in my heart and mind. And then it goes on to say, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So, after I present my anxious thoughts wrapped in gratitude... And receive by faith God's peace that passes all understanding in my feelings and emotions I then focus my mind on things that are true and beautiful I think about such things so I present to God the needs my anxiety uncover I confess gratitude I receive peace in my thoughts and feelings I focus my thoughts on the true and beautiful listen Part of my story is I am prone to anxious thoughts. But as I have grown in my life with God over many years, I am less prone to anxious thoughts and more prone to be filled with peace. This is part of what spiritual growth looks like, by the way, guys. It's less of a bad thing and it's more of a good thing it's less restlessness it's more rest in our souls this is not a snap your finger and overnight all of a sudden everything is fine I've seen that happen but for most of us spiritual growth is a journey it's a progression we're growing in our life with God and and part of that is we have more of the good thing God promises and less of the bad thing that keeps us from living our best life now here's my third and final truth it's that we must choose what or who to believe we must choose what or who to believe now this is the part of today's talk where I want to challenge you to take the risk to believe the best and to expect to live the life in all of its fullness that Jesus promised so if you'll indulge me here's one more clip from the movie I referenced earlier what about Bob as Bob is starting to overcome some of his anxieties check it out
1: do you want to come sailing with me on my friend george's boat
0: no no that's okay you don't have
1: to no i'd love to uh (laughs) it sounds great i i've never been on a boat and i don't think i can handle it (laughs) it just makes my lips numb to think about it but if your friend is a good sailor and the craft is seaworthy Yes, I will go sailing. Yeah, let's go sailing. I have no other plans. I'm sailing!
0: I'm sailing! I'm sailing! I'm sailing! I'm sailing! I'm sailing! sailing. Now look, I want to speak to the vast majority of us who experience some level of non-clinical anxiety we need to get over our numb lip fears and move forward in our lives now if you're suffering severe clinical anxiety or depression please seek the help of a medical professional just as you would seek the help of a doctor if you were suffering a severe physical malady of some sort God can absolutely use a doctor and or a counselor to help you. But even then, make it your goal to not only treat your symptoms and feel better, to get some relief, but to overcome your anxiety by God's grace and power and the help of others and to move forward in the life God dreams for you. Don't be satisfied just with survival. Decide to live. To engage life, we must take some risk, and we must overcome our fear. I read an interesting article in the New York Times some time ago. The title of the article, oddly enough, is "What to Do When Crawdad Grows Anxious." Here's just a quick excerpt. All right, uh, scientists from France have documented behavior in crayfish, or otherwise known as crawdads. That fits the pattern of a certain type of anxiety in human beings and other animals. Um, Researchers reported that after, this is a scholarly article that was put in some scientific journal, by the way. Researchers reported that after crayfish were exposed to electric shocks, they would not venture out of comfortable dark areas in an elaborate aquarium into scarier, at least for a crayfish, brightly lit areas. Crayfish that had not been shocked were more adventurous. They would hesitate, then sometimes explore the bright areas. If the animal, one researcher said, if the animal has been facing some danger, it will adapt its behavior for a while to try to estimate future risk. And, and the writers of this article and, and uh, reporting on the findings of the researcher researchers talk about how this this is very similar to what human beings experience when we've overgone uh, overgone some trauma we we have a, a tendency to to, to to isolate ourselves and to, to stay as protected as possible for anything that might expose us to any risk at all uh, when we get shocked It's hard to uh, put ourselves back in a position to get shocked again. Now, we all experience all kinds of shocks in our life. As a society, as a world, we've experienced the extreme trauma of this pandemic. But I want to say to you that at some point, if we're going to live the life God dreamed for us, we're going to have to venture out again. We're going to have to re-engage life. We're going to have to accept some level of risk to be able to get out there and live. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian who was imprisoned by Adolf Hitler because Bonhoeffer took a stand against Nazism from a biblical perspective. Uh, Bonhoeffer wrote this uh, in his last few days in prison before he was actually um, executed by the Nazis. He wrote, The idea that we could have avoided many of life's difficulties if we had taken things more cautiously is too foolish to be entertained for a moment. To renounce a full life and its real joys in order to avoid pain is neither Christian nor human. I repeat, to renounce a full life and its real joys in order to avoid pain is neither Christian nor human. Now, you may say, well, things didn't end well for Bonhoeffer because he, in fact, was executed. But see, this is what I would say to you I would say that as long as Bonhoeffer was alive, he lived. And he did not regret his life. And he was not satisfied. Being, being shuttered in the darkness and not getting out and engaging life and engaging an important cause that he thought was worth risking his life for. Now, I don't want to over imply anything by saying that. I'm just saying that each of us in our own way need to understand that we have to take actions to actually live. We cannot live in constant anxiety and fear. At some point, we have to engage God and life in a way that exposes us further to the possibility that that you know sometimes challenging things happen in our lives. Well, central to this, and this is what I'll close with is the fact that we have to choose what or who to fear we have to choose what or who to fear here's something Jesus said that's well it's challenging this is Luke's Gospel Jesus said I tell you my friends do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more but I will show you whom you should fear fear him who after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. Let me, let me just restate what I just read in, in common terms first of all jesus said don't be afraid don't be afraid of people who could only kill your body and after that do do no more so first of all don't be afraid to what this world can do to you and then he says let me tell you who to be afraid of fear the one (coughs) whose decisions has eternal consequences in your life fear god essentially he says and then he turns right back around and he says don't be afraid Know that God's got you covered. He even notes a, 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 a every sparrow that falls. He pays attention to the simplest things and details in your life. So he says, Don't be afraid of what people can do to you or what the world can do to you. Do fear God. Don't be afraid. So it sounds a little confusing until you understand it this way. He's saying, that the most important person to fear is to fear God now that may sound like a negative message but it's not not when you understand what the fear of God is to fear God is to revere him to take him at his word to believe what he says and to act on what we believe to fear God is to put him in a place that's above anything else in this world it's to it's to take him seriously when we fear God we're saying I really believe in you and what you say and I'm gonna live my life accordingly now here's what happens when you really believe God it's hard then to be afraid of anything else See, part of what Jesus is saying there is you have to choose what you're going to fear. Are you going to live in fear of the bad things that can happen to you in this world? No, He says, don't do that. Instead, respect God enough to believe what He says. And when you do that, you're not going to be afraid of anything because God cares about even the smallest details of your life see that's truth so here's the way you apply something like that so when you're anxious about people who seem opposed to you and apparently want you to fail are you going to believe anxious thoughts or are you going to believe a passage of Scripture like this the 27th Psalm though an army beseech me my heart will not fear though war break out against me even then will I be confident when you're worried about your economic world or your relational world or the, the or that the world itself is going to come crashing down around you and it feels like that sometimes doesn't it and this is one of those times when we're in a time like that are we going to believe the the negative report enough to be dominated by fear or are we going to believe truth like the 46th psalm therefore we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea when you doubt that god loves you And accepts you and has good plans for your life are you going to believe your anxious thoughts about all of that or are you going to believe truth like what Paul wrote to the Romans therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ I hope you get the point I'm saying you think about whatever anxious thought you have you think about whatever you fear in this world and then you decide that you're gonna fear God more you're gonna believe God more and to every negative thought that comes your way you counter it with truth from God's Word that says you can cast all your cares on God because he cares for you years ago somebody gave me a book I don't really remember much about it except its title the title is this when people are big God is small when people are big God is small The idea is that if you worry too much about what people think, you won't worry about what God thinks. Therefore, if people are big, God is small. Now we can apply this to a lot of things. I would say when anxiety about your job is big, God is small. When worry about your children is big, God is small. When fear about getting back into the world and engaging life on the other side of this pandemic is big, God is small. But guess what? Guess what? God is not small. God is big. And when we choose to focus on that, the bigness of God reminds us that every other thing that we could be afraid of in this world is small. When God is big, worry about your children is small. When God is big, worry about your job is small. When God is big, worry about the pandemic is small because we choose to believe God and this overcomes all of our fear. Let me close today with a prayer and then the band is going to sing a blessing and I'll come back. And I'll do the benediction but I want to pray I want to pray for you wherever you are right now in the name of Jesus I pray that if you are having anxious thoughts if you're having anxious feelings today and during this time that you will receive the peace of God that passes all understanding I pray that you will take every anxious thought and present it to God I pray that you will think about the things you're grateful for as well but in an unvarnished way talk to God about what you're anxious for and believe that in return his peace will come into your heart and then focus your thoughts on everything good and beautiful that you can I pray for the supernatural power of Jesus to come and transform your anxious heart into a heart that's full of peace that passes understanding i pray this in jesus name amen